But let's talk about the story. I, they call this series The Average Joe. And I re- think the reason we do that is because we're all kind of regular people. God sees us all the same in his sight. And so I like the title that's The Average Joe because this applies to everybody at every time in their life. I'm going to pick up the story before where they read, where after Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar did what she did, Joseph ended up in prison. And while he was there, he was there long enough to where somehow the cupbearer and the baker made the king mad. He threw him in jail. Usually, if a cupbearer messes up, he gets his head chopped off because you know his job is to taste the wine before he gives it to the king. And so, of course, he dies first, and so you don't have to do that. But there was something going on. I don't know if the wine was bitter. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he left some yeast out of the bread or it was leaven when it shouldn't have been, but they ended up in prison. And so Joseph is there and has been there long enough to gain favor. Now, my husband is a jail chaplain, and what they call these people that work with the, 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 with the chaplains are stewards. So they're good prisoners. They're probably, most of them we found out, are there for something they didn't do, and some of them are there. But they just managed to work in a way that they are paying off their penance. And so Joseph was sent to attend to the cupbearer and the baker. And when he went there... He was talking to him, I'm sure, and told him his story and how he got there, because that's usually what happens when you're in jail. (laughs) And then finally, they begin to go back and say, you know what? We had a dream. And what they probably didn't know is they both had the dream at the same time. And so I don't for one moment believe that while Joseph was in prison, God didn't stop giving him dreams. Because you remember, when he was little, he, he preached and prayed that and saw in a dream that his brothers and sisters would bow down before him. The parents with the sun and the moon, and even they would bow down before him. Then the other dream was that these sheaves, and if you've ever, I was from, I'm from Iowa, so when people collect the wheat and all that stuff, you put it together, you bind it up, and these full sheaves were bending down to him. So they're mad. You know, your arrogant little brother, you've done this, you think you're something, look at, look at what we're going to do to you. So he ends up in prison. Then he goes back again, to prison, and he meets the cupbearer. Seems that Joseph matured somewhere along the line in this process. He's a bratty little brother. He, li- he rises to middle management, that's what I call it, where he's working for Potiphar, and then she lies on him, and he ends up in prison. And so while he's there, again, there's some maturity that's happened. I'm sure God was working in his life. So my first premise is that as Joseph interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker, and they came true, the first thing out of his mouth before he even interpreted what he said to them was, do you not know that dreams, the interpretation of dreams come from God? That shows you there's a whole different Joseph here. He's been through some trials and tribulations. He's grown up a bit. And I don't know about you, when I was younger, sometimes I thought I was all that. And something would happen in my life and God would humble me again. And so now he understands that he has a gift and that his gift is supposed to be used on behalf of others. The first premise, when we as God's people seek our future and how we are to be God's instruments, we must understand who is our source. And Joseph did that for the first time we hear about it. He may have done it before, but now instead of, you know, guys, I had a dream. He's saying to them, don't give me credit for this because the only reason I can do this is because God has enabled me. We must 
understand where our gifts and abilities come from. There's a scripture that goes along with that New, New Testament in James. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not, light, does not change like a shifting shadow. So nothing we get, if we're like Joseph, comes from anybody but God when it comes to our ability to understand scripture and even our ability to talk about what God means, even the ability to interpret what's going on here. It doesn't come from me. It comes from God. At least that's what I pray it does. Joseph went on to tell the cupbearer the interpretation of his dreams to its fullest and said to the cupbearer, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position and you will you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to when you were a cupbearer. He then interpreted the dream in much the same way for the baker, but ended it with these words. This is what your dream means, that the three baskets are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. Can you imagine someone telling you that? Especially if he was close by and heard what he had already told the cupbearer. I probably would have been mad. Okay, you had a nightmare. That was not a dream. What did you eat before you went to sleep? Because that could not possibly be how things end. It sounds gruesome. And then he says the birds will tear away at your flesh. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. (laughs) But nonetheless, Joseph was truthful. He didn't lie. He didn't try to fix it up to make the guy feel better. He just told him the honest-to-goodness truth. He didn't pay lip service to him because he knew that somehow these guys would be restored because they weren't dead back to Pharaoh's house and it may benefit him later on. As I mature, I've had occasion to watch what happens when there's a rubber meets the road moment. An opportunity to come clean has presented itself for me or for other people. And just at the moment that justice would be had, people flip on you. I don't know if you've been in the workplace and you saw the thing happen one way and somebody else saw it happen another way and then when we get in the room, none of those stories are the same. When there's an opportunity to come glean, to use our giftedness for the Lord, sometimes we even as Christians bail out, take the easy way out. We're looking for somebody's approval. We don't do what's right. We don't understand that God gave us the job and if he gave it to us, If we tell the truth about something in wisdom, we'll keep it. We don't have to worry about that. And that was the risk that Joseph took when he told that second dream. Because once this guy was restored, he could have easily had him killed. They're kind of those Rosa Park moments, you know? I've had those. I remember being in a position where what I said would affect something, and it would affect the lives of other people. And I said it anyway. Needless to say, it didn't go well for me. It doesn't always go well for you when those things happen. And it's your Rosa Parks moment. Anybody know who Rosa Parks is? She's the woman who stood up on the bus. Now, what you don't know is that Rosa had practiced that. There was a whole practice session during the Civil Rights Movement where everybody sat and they said, if this happens to you, you do this. If that happens to you, you do that. She had been fighting this fight long before that bus happened. But when time came to do what was right, to interpret what she saw in the right way, she did it, much like Joseph. If you haven't had one of those moments, you're gonna have one. You're gonna have a few. You're gonna have an opportunity to come clean, to tell the truth, to say what's true. And as believers, we should have the wherewithal to do it because don't interpretations come from God? 
Doesn't the truth come from God? Doesn't our sustenance come from God? We shouldn't worry. But then Joseph understood something again. And my second premise is that Joseph understood that the realization of his own dreams and those of others depended on how he used his giftedness. So first he knew that everything came from God. But now he says, I have a gift. It comes from God. I'm going to use it wisely. So my question to you would be, can God trust you with his stuff? I wouldn't doubt that some of us have been Christians for a long time. And I remember praying after that incident I told you about happened. I stood up in my old church, and I never give a testimony time. I miss those sometimes. You just stand up, and they'll give time for a few people to say what God has done for them. And I was doing something, and I stood up, and I said, y'all, I want you to pray that God will trust me with his stuff. See, I know that I have some gifts, just like you have some gifts. I know that nobody else knows how to use those gifts quite the way I do, just like for you. You have a gift. You have a knack. If you're a lawyer, you have a knack, for, especially a Christian lawyer, but taking the truth and bringing it to, to a place where people see it differently. If you're a doctor, you treat patients differently. I know I had a Christian doctor, and the ability to be able to pray with him was unbelievable. Those were his gifts. And so God entrusts us with some stuff. Can God trust you with the gifts, with the dreams that he's given you? Can you be trusted with you? When those rubber meet the road moments happen, can you be trusted to do the right thing? Like Joseph. He could have gussied up that dream for the baker. He could have said, well, no, you're only going to be impaled on the pole for a little while, but you're going to live. Oh, well, did he have to say that the birds would eat his flesh? Couldn't he have just left it alone and me dying on a pole? He told the truth. He did what needed to happen at that time. So my question to you, the second premise, do you know God has given you the ability to interpret and live out your dreams? But now, can he trust you to do it? Can he trust you to do it when all else is failing? So family, and I call you guys family because that's how I pray for you. This is my family, my church family. Hasn't there been a point in your life where you were sure God had given you clear direction? Anybody know that? When you were in eighth grade, high school, college, you knew what you wanted to be? Come on, raise your hand. Did God ever tell you? I know for me, I wanted to be a doctor, medical doctor. That was the thing I wanted to do. I loved hospitals. I almost liked it when people got sick in the family. They knew me at Cook County Hospital. <laughs> they knew me at Cook County Hospital. My brother had asthma. And we would be at the hospital a lot. And I'd go, hi, Dr. Salenta. Hey, Felicia. Hi, Dr. Salenta. I knew I was going to be doing something at Cook County Hospital as a doctor. Well, I'm a doctor, but it's a different kind of doctor now. Were there times when he put a vision for who he wanted you to become to you, but you did the safe thing? Where those four more years of school were in front of you, where that marriage was in front of you, and you chose to take the easy way out because the dream would be just a little harder to do. The safe way. You know, in my day, you grew up, you got a job, and usually if you were in the city, you got a job with the light company, with the city of Chicago, with the gas company, you kept that job for life. Well, I got one of those jobs at 17. I worked for the mayor of the city of Chicago. I quit at 22, and my mother said, have you lost your mind? And I said, well, maybe, but I just think God has something different for me to do. 
Because probably by now I'd be the commissioner of something. But who else knows what I would have been doing too. <laughs> Everybody had this dream for me. But my dream was to serve Christ and to do it. So it didn't make sense for me to do that to everybody else, but it made sense to me because God had shown me what he wanted me to do. Did you stick to that dream? Have you lost that dream? It's not too late. Of course, this would normally be the place where I'd give you a good story about somebody who had a dream, like Martin Luther King or Nikola Tesla or somebody else, or Jim Elliott who was murdered in service for God. But I don't have to do that because um, you have dream-killing scenarios in your life as well. Those people did. People told them, like they told me, you can't do that. I mean, who told you to think that you could do so-and-so-and-so-and-so? You better keep that job. Who told you that you could go on the mission field? Are you kidding? That doesn't make sense. Only certain people are touched by God to do that. And I'm saying, yeah, but that's me. Hasn't God told you there's something for you to do? What if you stepped out on faith and pursued God's call and then it failed? Well, chances are it might. There's no guarantee that your dream will happen the way you think it's going to happen. There's no guarantee that there won't be disappointment along the road. But every disappointment I've had has been a step up. I don't know about you. I've had some hard stuff happen to me. But I didn't get upset about it. I just go, okay, God. I don't know why this happened. You do. I'm going to keep moving because I don't have time. I got a family to be with. I got other people that love me. And I'm going to learn from this situation and move on. At night, I would dream about it again. I'd be cry about it again. I'd get upset about it again. But every step of the way, I knew that I was in God's will. It's something about being in the midst of God's will that gives you peace when it doesn't make sense to anybody else. But then again, sometimes it's not what other people do. It's the stories that we've been told, the dream-dashing stories, the things people have said to us. And think to yourself, if anybody's ever told you these things, you can't do that. You've done that before, and it didn't turn out too well for you. You'll never be anything, so why try? You're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. You can't do that. You really don't have the intelligence level to do that. People say things like that to people. You know, failure's in your bloodline. I have heard it, I'm telling you. I would not say this to you. I've, I've dreamed these up. These things have happened. And what those scenarios say in your head, they play out over and over and over and over again. And as you're pursuing those dreams, Satan will come along and snatch them, won't he? Won't he? He'll snatch them right from you. But can you be trusted with you? We've allowed those tapes to replay themselves so many times we start to believe them. We believe that since we blew it once, since we blew the opportunity for that dream to come to life, God will never give it to us again. But God can be trusted, guys, because we are his ultimate creation. We are his dream bearers to other people. I often think, because I hear Christians say this all the time, and they quote this verse lightly. It says, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans that God has for me, plans for my success and my failure to give me a future and a hope. And we say it and we don't believe it. If we believed it, we would act like it. 
we would act on the dreams that God has given us. We would act on the service that God's given us to do. We would act on the things God has told us to create. We are created in his image, and once we trust him and love him, we have the power to carry out those things. Joseph's faithfulness to live into his giftedness on behalf of other people and himself landed him in prison, but it didn't land him in prison in here. It restored him to an even greater position once he did that last dream that Mike and Heather read about. Once he told them, he got to the Pharaoh. You see, God was moving him. While he was failing, God was moving him. And he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and it saved a land and a nation of people. As Joseph had once asked the cupbearer to remember him, it didn't happen when he thought it was going to happen, right? He was supposed to get out of jail, tell what he'd ha- done, and then be restored to a position. He forgot. The cupbearer forgot. Sometimes in the midst of these dreams, sometimes in the midst of something else, people forget us. We forget. We forget to do good. But then he remembered at just the right time. So my third premise is that Joseph realized that his dreams were bigger than his own personal comfort and they were dreamt for the greater good. Joseph knew his power. Joseph understood that God had enabled him to interpret dreams and that it was for the greater good. I believe he knew when he told Pharaoh exactly because he interpreted right after this is what this means. You need to put stuff in a storehouse. It's not going to always be this good. So for seven years while you're enjoying yourself, while we're partying, having a great time on how great we've done as a nation, store up some things. Kind of sounds like your mother, save some, give some, save some, give some. But it was the truth. And Joseph could be trusted to tell the truth. To be a dream dasher when it was necessary, but to also be a dream giver when it was necessary. And the verse for me when I think about that is, very, very truly I say to you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples. And they will do even greater things than these. I believe that. When somebody tells me I can't do something, I get upset, first of all, because a little bit, I'm a little bit of a privileged American, too, and I should be able to do what I feel I need to do. But I first ask myself, why did they tell me that? Isn't God still in the business of giving dreams and visions to us? And I really believe that he's just waiting for us to trust him, to get mad when somebody tells us no, to trust him to help us carry them out. After all, Joseph did say in the beginning of this, don't dreams and the interpretations of them come from God? He knew that. So my questions to you are, didn't God give you a dream somewhere along the line and you allowed yourself to get on tra- off track? Nod your head. Somewhere along the line, you plan to be somewhere other than you are, or you're surprised at where you are now. <laughs> but it got off track a little bit. Please get back on. If it's 30 years past the dream, there's something new. There's a new dream that you can help fulfill. Get back on track. Has not the Lord shown you a God-sized plan that you know you can't accomplish on your own? Well, that's good because he never intended for you to do it without him. Joseph said, this is not me interpreting these dreams. This is the Lord through me. And then the land, what land does God have 
for it to set you ruler over. Now, I know that you say, what is she talking about? There's a land. There's something that you're doing, some place that you're inhabiting, your job space, your neighborhood, this classroom. That's your land. And he wants to set you as ruler over it because, one, you know why you're there. You know he puts you there. Two, you know you're there for the sake of others. And three, he's trusted. He's entrusted that land to you. What are you going to do? Will you be timid in the corner and say, I'm just Sally, little Christian. I'm only going to do enough to get by. I don't want to upset the apple cart. I'm just trying to lay low until retirement. But you know God has set you in that place. He's given you a dream to transform it. You know, when you walk in the room, the scripture says that as Christians, we're like a sweet savor. The stink in the room should change when we walk in. Whatever's going on should change when we walk in the door. When I was at that job at 17, the one thing they knew was I was saved. That Bible was in the top shelf. They used to call me the Sunday fundy. The nun, none of this and none of that. But when somebody died, when somebody's marriage was a wreck, even as a 20-year-old kid, they said, Felicia, can you pray with me? I know you got that Bible in it. So that old Bible you see me with, that's that same Bible. It still has prayer requests to people. When you walk into a room, you are a dream resurrector. You are a possibility maker. And how you enter and walk through that, God has empowered you to walk through it. God has empowered you to do it. You don't have to be afraid of anybody. You don't have to worry about what's going on. You got to be wise now. Don't be silly. But at the same time, ask God to show you God will also use you to help restore the dreams of others. So many times, I still live in the city, and I have gone up to school and heard some of those things I said to your teachers say to students. Um, I taught at college, and I've come, and I sit down with my students who aren't doing well, and say, what's going through your mind? And they will say, well, somebody said that I wasn't good at so-and-so and so-and-so. And I say, okay, well, maybe you're not, but does that mean that you can ever be good at it? Well, no. So just because they said it, does that make it true? The only person that can renounce that kind of stuff on your life is God, and he won't say that to you. He'll just give you the dream that you can do. Be a person who's a resurrector of dead dreams in someone's life, especially if you're in a classroom. I just remember having a mean teacher once, and she made me stand in the corner a lot. And it was during the racial times I was integrating a school, and I was kind of bright, and I would take the test, and I'd do really good on the test, and she'd think I cheated. She'd bring my mother up. My mother's no joke. She was this big, but she no mess with her babies. Giving me illegal IQ tests, all kinds of stuff. You know, and for the average person, it would have broke them. It happened year after year after year after year. I don't know, I was just perpetually happy. I would skip and say, hi, Mrs. So-and-so. No matter what they did, no matter what they said, that was my Rosa Parks moment as a little kid. My mother said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And one time I said it out loud. I'm supposed to forgive you because you don't know what you're doing. My mama said that. <laughs> I'll never forget. I was in fourth grade. My mama said, you don't know. So, and I am smart there. You know, I got in trouble for that too. But... You can be the person who's a resurrector of dreams in somebody's life. They may have made mistakes early on. They may have done some things early on. They may have failed early on. But just like Joseph, 
you get to work that out in the lives of other people. You get to be the interpreter of dreams for someone else. If I would go back to Old Testament times, they cried and they said, they said, the Lord has, the Jews always said when they were going, the Lord has said, the Lord has said, they raised the banners and they walked from place to place, the Lord has said to us, he has promised us these things. They quote scripture. If you have to do that to yourself to resurrect that dream, I've given you life and death. I've given you the words of life. You have them. Living life like that, like the things I told you that were negative, will dream, dream, beat the dream out of anybody. I think sometimes when I see our kids in the city, and I work very closely with the mothers of some of the slain kids, um, I work with the siblings oftentimes, and they said, this has ruined us. I said, no, baby, don't forget to dream. Don't forget. This happened to one person. It happened to you a little bit. Don't forget to dream. And I'm saying the same thing to you. And so as I end, the last premises together is to remember that our dreams, gifts, and abilities are to be God's instruments. We must understand who is the source of them. Joseph understood that the realization of his own dreams and those of others depended on how he used his giftedness. Can God trust you? Joseph realized that his dreams were bigger than his own personal comfort, but they were for the greater good. So I can now choose to be reminded, based on this, based on the truth of what we've seen in Joseph's lives, that I will dream dreams and see visions. The scripture says that that I am somebody who is different, but I'm not deficient. That greater is he that is in me is greater than he that resides in the world. That he is a restorer of broken hearts and dashed dreams, and he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. So if you're just getting on board at old age, you still got dreams too. You might think it's heartburn, <laughs> but it's a dream. Walk it out and do it. You see, Joseph dared to give voice to the dreams that God gave him, and even when it garnered jealousy and contempt of others, Joseph sought to help others understand their dreams. Joseph didn't give up on God's dreams for him, even when it didn't look good. So folks, what dream has God given you? What mandate has he told you to carry out on his behalf? And who should you encourage along the way? He wants to use you. Let him. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the life of Joseph. We thank you for even his hardships that matured him. We thank you, God, for um, the blessed truth of the gospel of God that you want to use us, that greater are you in us than what's going on all around us. Father, we thank you for this place that helps us to nurture our dreams. Lord, help us to be nurturers in the lives of others. Lord, thank you, and we ask you to let us have a dream as well. In Jesus' name, amen.